This week's podcast brought to you by The Captain and the Stoker. Driving in Chicago down the street, headed to the hotel by um, by the arena, and I see a convenience store, and it says sandwiches, deli, convenience store, we deliver, and the um, web address that was advertised was stevesbite.com, and I was thinking there are plenty of times where I think stevebites.com would be better. Hey. I was traveling again last week to Chicago for a Chicago Sky game. They played Seattle on ABC. Highest rated game, by the way, since a regular season game since, what was it, 2012 or something like that? Pretty exciting. Anyway, so I was flying Southwest Airlines um, and I was in the B group. I was like B5. So I line up in the, you know, the cattle cage and um, this like guy comes over who, who seems like, you know, kind of um, harried or just like, you know, out of sorts. And before we get on and he just looks at the person in the front of the line, he said, is this bees? Is this the bees? And they said, yes. And he just like, that's right when our, our section was about to go and he like just cuts in and gets on the plane. I get on the plane, go back to like the middle of the plane and there's an aisle seat. So I sit down, going to be a completely full flight. And um, I look over and I realize it's that guy who's sitting on the window he just looks over at me and he said, um, he's a little older dude, and he said, um, I- I've lost my phone. Can I borrow your phone to call my wife? I said, sure. So I, you know, go to the keypad for him. I hand him my phone. And um, I just see him, like, dial a number, put it up to his ear. I think maybe nobody answers or something. I see him dial another number, dial a third number. Finally, on, like, the fourth person he calls, he says, you know, this is... Michael and um, I think it's an answering machine. This is Michael and I've I've lost my phone. Can you know Betsy? Can you tell Gail or whatever his wife's name was? Hangs up and then makes another call, another voicemail, and he says, "So and so, can you know this is Michael? Um, I've I'm at the airport. I've lost my phone. Can you tell so and so?" It's like a couple more of these calls. He gets a live person, hands the phone back to me. And now the phone starts ringing and I answer. So I, I, I say to him, I said, I think this is for you because my phone never rings. And he said, no, it's not for me. I'm like, okay, it's a Massachusetts number. You've been dialing Massachusetts number. So I answer and it's this woman saying, um, hi, are you Rebecca? And I said, yes. And, he, and she said, um, you know, I'm calling for Michael. So this guy didn't know my name or anything. So clearly my name comes up on caller ID. So I give the guy... Uh, my phone. Wait, why and would it? Why would? What do you mean? Your name comes. My he's name, calling from your phone. He's, my phone must not have a blocked number. But if they're in, in because he, I never heard him say to somebody, "I'm borrowing Rebecca's phone." He, he didn't say that to Betsy or Gail. No, to neither to neither. So somebody, said, the woman said, "Are you Rebecca?" So I'm guessing you, my, he didn't. My, he didn't say, "I've lost Betsy." Can you tell Gail that I've lost my phone and to call me back on Rebecca Lobo's phone? <laughs> no, none of that. He didn't ask anybody to call him back because, of course, I'm listening to the messages he's leaving. So um, so he ends up talking to this person and he squares away, squares it away. There's a, there's a couple things. First, I was super impressed that this guy knew off the top of his head all these people's numbers. I mean, I know your number because you've had the same number since pre- 
you know, pre-address book in the phone, you know, like, but I, I know the numbers I knew when I was a kid or a younger person. I don't know any of the new numbers that people have given me. So first I was like, just blown away and impressed by that. What was your number as a kid? 413-569-3878. Well, I, I, what was yours? I wouldn't even ask the area code because I never used an area code as a kid. That would be dialing long distance, and nobody was calling me long distance. Mine was 888-2872. So you had the three long 888? 888-2872. So when you would actually dial the phone, it was a long eight, yeah. a long eight, a long eight, short two, long eight, long seven, short two. So you know, yeah, that, yeah. that rhythm of from a kid, and I've got the rotary dial phone in my office, and occasionally I will just dial it just to remember what that felt like. Well, so I was, I had kind of two thoughts. One was like, I was super impressed by this guy. And my second one was. You were super impressed by the guy who lost his phone, no, no, cut was, the line at, at Southwest, and then no. required Betsy and or Gail to, to I was notify his wife where he I was. I was impressed with his ability yeah. that, that he knew, like, not only his wife's phone, and he wasn't calling his kids, he was calling his wife's friends or his friends. Like, I was impressed that he knew phone numbers. But this, my second thought was. Only two of our kids, our, our two high schoolers, have phone numbers. I don't know their phone numbers. No, I don't either. At all. And so when I landed in Chicago, actually, when I was um, in my my car, in my Uber on the way to the hotel, I learned their phone numbers. Like, I held the phone up and, like, because it helps me visually. And I was like, I need to know their phone numbers in case something ever like this happens. So, like, I at least now know your phone number and our two daughters' phone numbers. Um but I, I, I was going through your phone uh, yesterday and looking at outgoing calls, and, and I just rang up Betsy and Gail <laughs> just because I was lonely. You saw lonely. all these Northampton and Amherst yeah. numbers? And then, and then a couple of weird selfies from a guy on the plane. <laughs> well, what's kind of funny about it? So I posted this on Twitter, like how impressed I was that this guy knew eight or nine phone numbers. You know, like who knows that, that many phone numbers? And a bunch of people responded like, I don't, I don't, I don't. Well... Later that night, I looked at my outgoing calls. And Michael also doesn't know eight or nine people's phone numbers because the first three, actually first four numbers he calls all have the same last four. So all end in 0316, but the first three are different. So he knew the last four. He was just choosing random first three. Like he knew the prefix 413, but then the next three numbers were all different. So like he didn't remember either. He knew the first three and he knew the last four. And so like four or five people just have my phone number on their, if they have caller ID. <laughs> Not only do they have my phone number on their caller ID, they have a message from a weird person, Michael. <laughs> The, the, that they don't know. The weird thing is he also voted three times for America's Got Talent. He called <laughs> yeah. the uh, Dionne Warwick's Psychic Friends Network and a and an erotic phone uh, hotline. So. so somebody in South Deerfield, Amherst, Huntington, and Shelburne Falls, Mass. <laughs> and those four towns in Massachusetts have my phone number. A bunch so. of strangers have voicemails that says that say Betsy and or Gail. It's very important that you call Rebecca Lobo's phone. <laughs> As soon as you get this. Because I've left my phone at the airport. So if if you got one of those voicemails this weekend, you happen to, happen to be listening to the Ball and Chain podcast, then, um, <laughs> yeah, you were part of our, uh, our little thing. Something else interesting that happened on the flight, because um, it's only a 
two, two and a half hour flight, a little less than that, um, to Chicago. And this is the first time I haven't flown a ton since, you know, COVID-19, COVID-19 the, pandemic. the pandemic, but I've flown a little bit, was um, well, probably a half hour, 45 minutes out from Chicago. And one of the flight attendants comes on and I thought it was going to be, you know, doing one of his Southwest Airlines sticky things that really does kind of annoy me. Um, but instead, he, the, the flight attendant got on and he said, um, you know, I want to remind everyone that you have to wear masks on the plane. This is after they've given us our little tiny snack and drink. You have to wear masks on the plane. Um, Consider this your first and last warning. If you refuse to put your mask on, you will be greeted by air marshals when we land, which I was a little bit surprised by because I had not seen nor had I heard anyone making a fuss about not wear you know about not wearing a mask or anything like that um but you've seen enough viral videos to know yeah so i'm sure it happened but it like and i was in the middle of the plane and was completely unaware of that and then my last fun southwest airline story because i flew home southwest as well it was the only way to not land at like midnight was you know we're flying home and at, at some point southwest the the flight attendant comes on and says you know we've got a really special passenger on the plane today it's so-and-so's birthday. Let's all sing happy birthday to so-and-so. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, we're wearing masks and there's a Delta variant and there are people on this plane who aren't vaccinated. I'm sure you're not supposed to sing. <laughs> but most people sang very heartily a happy birthday to the very special passenger. When was- they said, when they announced we have a very special passenger on the airplane, did you, you sat up a little straighter and straightened your lapels and straightened out your, your necktie said, that I imagine you're wearing. And I said, where's Michael? Oh, that yeah. was on the outbound flight. And, and you, you, were, you, were, you were half out of your seat giving a little royal wave to the rest of the cabin when they announced that it was somebody else's birthday. Right, right. And, uh, and then I like... Slunk back into slunk your seat. Slunk back down. But um, yeah, I think at least... If we're in a place where there's the need to wear masks, perhaps we shouldn't be singing well, on this little, inside this little capsule. Well, you um, called the Connecticut Sun-Minnesota Lynx game last night at the Mohegan Sun. I had taken our oldest daughter on a college tour in the day, but then we met you and her two sisters and a couple of friends at the arena for the game. And... Uh, there was nobody seated around us. We were all in masks, even though we, you know, showed vaccination cards to get our wristbands and all that. But our oldest daughter sitting next to me got a bag of popcorn, and when she brought it down to share with everybody, I suggested we all just stick a fistful into our masks, keeping our masks on, obviously, and then and just use eat them like a, a horse trough yeah. to, for the. Uh, <laughs> so I was gonna say it's like a horse trough. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Did anyone take you up on that? Nobody else did besides me, but. I'm sure the mask was in great shape after that, like, synthetic buttered popcorn. Yeah, had been sitting and the nice in thing it. is, like, you know, ten minutes later, you find a, you find a kernel that you had missed somewhere in the in the depths of the mask. Delicious. Kind of reminded me of our nephew when he casually sat down with his hoodie on backwards, eating chips out of the uh, <laughs> out of the hood. Brilliant. Brilliant. The, the beauty of doing that when I was doing the Connecticut Sun game yesterday is we were back courtside because after the Olympic break, these the league had regulations, I guess, come out and the TV announce booth 
was no longer courtside. It was way up on the concourse. So when I was in Chicago, and like, I'm totally, it's like, okay, regulations, I get it. It's COVID related, no problem. Like, because we, we've called a couple games early in the season from far away for that reason. As far away as home. As far away as home, exactly. And so we're in Chicago and um, we literally had the farthest seats in the building because they had a great crowd there, but um, it wasn't enough to have people in the upper bowl. So we were on the concourse literally in like the farthest seats from the court. But had there been people in the upper bowl, you would have been above them. No. Presumably. We would have been well, anyway, we it, they they weren't ideal. And and I only got annoyed when I looked down and I saw that where we normally sit, there were fans sitting courtside. I'm like, this can't be a COVID protocol if there are people sitting courtside. They just wanted to sell their seats <laughs> instead of like giving them us. Okay, fine. But the way we call the games But now, instead of the instead of to the the nationally televised on ABC game it's pretty short-sighted and uh yeah less than i didn't ideal. think it was a brilliant move so especially the way we call games now and i'm not going to get into the like technology of it but we have monitors in front of us of course but they're on a delay so they're a couple seconds behind what's happening on the court so when we're calling the game we have to be looking at the court and like there was one time i couldn't help myself there was one time where jewel lloyd takes the shot a three and the ref calls a foul. And to me, on the concourse, it looked like she didn't get fouled. And so I had to say, like, I, I'm not sure. I can't. I, I don't know with the, you know, on first look if she got fouled or not, because we're seated, seating, seated, seated, seated. We're seated so far away. And um, and you had to you had to move a foam finger, right? To uh, <laughs> well, to even see what was going in on. the in the pregame introductions or before the introductions, they did a uh, there was a ceremony that was celebrating Stephanie Dolson for her gold medal and and the gold medalists from Seattle on the jumbotron. We couldn't see the jumbotron because we were on the concourse, like underneath the thing, and so like unless I laid on my stomach on the floor and looked up, couldn't see couldn't see that either. I did not. Um, so anyway, I was thrilled to, when I did this game at the Connecticut Sun, that the league has since changed the protocols. I mean, they're ever evolving. And uh, we're sitting... The league or the protocols? Um, <laughs> the, le- uh, the protocols right now. So we're courtside again. Yeah, we have to wear a mask. Okay, no problem. And I look to the side of me. The people sitting courtside, the fans sitting courtside, and they're closer to the court even than we are. Don't have masks on. And I think, I don't know if they're supposed to be and it just wasn't enforced or if I'm like, why is that person? I mean, I understand they're a high roller of some sort. But a high roller drinking a, drinking a cocktail. Yes. They're courtside closer to the players than I am unmasked. But um, I'm not going to complain because I'm just so happy that we are no longer stuck way up top. Um, you know, People would pass us on their way to the bathroom or pass us on their way. There was a there was a little uh, kiosk, you know, 10 feet from us that was selling beer and other alcoholic drinks. So people are in line there, backed up to us. But um, anyway, hopefully going forward, we can uh, continue to stay courtside because it really is much, much better. Uh, we were fortunate enough to be sitting in the second and third rows um, with a great view of the court until... Uh, at the end of warm-ups when two gentlemen in their 20s sat in front of our daughter and her friend wearing, uh, in the front row, wearing uh, heat miser wigs, orange uh, flame-like wigs that were, you know, 
nine inches tall. It was like sitting behind uh, there were dueling, actual wigs, dueling Abe Lincolns and top hats. There are people in wigs sitting in front I of you. I sent you the pictures, did I not? I, have, I don't know. You mentioned it to me, and um, I, 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 I walked by you multiple times and said hello. And I, how, how do I not notice people in wigs? Anyway, I did not snatch the wigs as much as I as much as I had wanted to. They're like fire wigs, right? Like, yes. Now you have since shown me a picture. They're like fire. For, fire wigs, yes. For the, all one word. Not like. Oh, that wig is fire, but literally that wig should wigs. be set on fire, <laughs> that look and, and, like fire. And, and probably is not flame retardant. Most likely not. A couple of weeks ago, or you know, just last week, I brought our lovely minivan in. It needed its oil ch- oil changed and um, some other stuff done to it. Didn't have the car for the day. Didn't have it overnight. Um, fortunately, the dealership was. Gave, gave me a loaner vehicle to use, but we were without our car for, you know, over it, over 24 hours. But it was all raring and ready to go, and uh, and I felt good about that. And um, until Monday. <laughs> so our, our oldest daughter, who has her license, um, was using the car to just go pick up lunch. I had suggested it. I said, why don't you go to this place you can get pick up some lunch for your siblings and so 15 minutes after she leaves she called and said um mom there was a big giant rock in the road um turns out it was a chunk of sidewalk wasn't chunk it? of sidewalk concrete yeah because i saw it later sharp and pointy and big she said um i couldn't avoid it because there was a car coming in the other direction she said so i hit it and now the tire pressure light has come on so I said, "Okay, um, are you in a, are you in a safe place? Are you okay? Yes. Um, have you pulled over? Yes. Are you in a, a safe place to be pulled over? Yes. Once I got yes to all of those, I got a little angry. <laughs> I said, "All right." I said, "Well, I am home, without a car. I'm I was. Not, I, you, you were out in a restaurant. Yeah." Or um, outside of a restaurant. With a friend who had come in from Cincinnati, who we haven't seen in a few years, and you were getting a chance to see him. And I said, all right, well, I'm going to have to call Dad, because I'm here with no car. Smash cut to the outdoor cafe at the restaurant, and the waitress saying, your food will be out in just a minute. That's when you called me. That's when I called you and said, our daughter is our daughter is on the side of the at, road at with an undrivable car. And uh, you, you're going to need to go there. And when you get there, you need to call AAA and we'll figure it out. So I, I ate a rice bowl in three minutes. And I drove down there with my friend, with our friend, who was actually heading. I was going to take to the airport afterwards. But I said, this will only take take a couple of minutes. And called AAA. And they told me that, you know, after being in a voicemail, uh, uh, you know, press nine for more options kind of hell for several minutes. They said um, a very friendly person told me that uh, the wait could be as much as 180 minutes, three hours. Three hours. Now, ideally, she said, it will be less than that, but it could be as much as that. I said, well, I'm on the side of the road with a undrivable car, no spare, and um, I mean... uh, a well-trafficked street, both cars and pedestrians. Well-trafficked, but not like not like there was a 
Starbucks or something right there Nothing where you could go, go and sit. In fact, uh, on the contrary, kind of marsh on both sides. The car was up against the guardrail, uh, and I was, you know, you had, I, I didn't, wouldn't even sit in the car for fear that the car would be hit. I was standing behind the car so that people would see a human being and drive a little slower around around me. And um, long story short. Well, eventually I call a friend who comes, picks me up. We drive yeah. over, pick our daughter up, come and home, now, and leave and, you and there. And pick up my car. Now it's just me with the van. Yes, and the get flat, your car. So now Waiting and waiting yeah. and waiting. Now, I, hundreds of cars and and dozens of people on foot or bikes went by. And I will say, uh, at least six people stopped and asked if I was okay, if I needed anything. Um, three people that we knew stopped stopped their cars and asked if I needed anything. One person came by twice and couldn't believe I was still still there waiting for AAA. So this is a total of nine people, nine or ten yeah. people. And and also a uh, while I was standing there, two uh, teenage boys drove by and screamed some uh, unintelligible but uncomplimentary something at me as they as they rushed by and I and I stepped into the road after they passed and flipped them off and out of each window the driver's side window and the shotgun window came came and raised the middle finger so uh, and I actually think they made a second pass later I think I recognized the car can we dissect a couple of things well here? this was wait, wait 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 this was after three hours yeah so at the end of the three hours not in the middle of the three hours, at the end of the three hours, AAA texted me to say my new estimated time was an hour and a half later than that. Right. For a total of four and a half hours or five hours after I arrived on the scene and, and started calling AAA. I don't want to dissect now, a couple that, things. So, so I was being eaten by mosquitoes, mm -hmm. sweltering in the sun. Mm -hmm. Mercifully, you had brought me a book, and I was standing and on the side of the road uh, reading a book in a Montreal Expos hat, yeah. But uh, I was wearing the hat, not the book. Um, so my my uh, my temperament was starting to fray. Sure. I just want to dissect a couple things. One, you said, you know, probably about 10 people in total asked if you needed help. How many would you say went by? Like oh. what percentage of people went by actually stopped to ask for help? Oh, one Or ask if you needed help? One out of 30. Yeah. So not a good percentage. And one of the things we came away with this saying is if we ever are driving and see somebody on the side of the road with their hazards on, clearly in some sort of they, they or their vehicle are in distress, that we will be the people who stop and at least ask them if there's something at the very least, we can do. If we're not a good Samaritan, don't be the bad Samaritan. Right. Although, uh, although I have to say, I did appreciate the teen's uh, yelling at me and flipping me off because it, it, it gave me something to do. <laughs> well, that was the second thing I wanted to ask you about because what you did when you texted me, and in all fairness, I didn't just like, I wasn't just, you know, sitting at home, you know, in the spa. <laughs> Not that we have a spa. But um, I was calling the car dealership and saying, all right, you know, do you have tires? The car is going to be towed there. Do you have this? Can this get fixed? Like I was working on things on my end, um, even though you were the only one who was with the car. Did, 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 did your end have air conditioning, readily available food, and, and no shade? bugs. Yeah, that, it had all of those things. 
Um, but you texted me and said, you know, I'm getting eaten alive. It's hot. And I'm um, obviously just justified in, in I'm saying hungry. these things. I'm hungry. And two teenagers just drove by and flipped me off. And I was thinking, that's unbelievable. It wasn't until later that you told me that you flipped them off first. Like your text didn't say two teenagers just drove by, so I f- and I flipped them off, so they flipped me off back. But why, why would two, I? Why, two teenagers just drove by and flipped me off. Why would I have texted you and said two two teenagers just drove by, so I flipped them off? <laughs> well, I, I'm not flipping them off sort of for the, being teenagers. Isn't that the 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 how the course of events unfolded? No, though? the course of events unfolded as a car drove by, like 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 hundreds of other cars drove by, but this time, two people screamed. Uh, profanities at me two like stupid teenagers right exactly and so you went and stood in the middle of the street after they drove by and flipped them off i did i'm horrified by that that. that was that was that was the response they they wanted crazy old man response they they they, you realize that that's not the crazy old man response of course it is two dopey teenagers drive by like all right there go some idiots uh, 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 sane like, responses. There go two teenage idiots. It, it was the most. It was the most passive, phoned-in, lazy, uh, bird flipping of all time. It, Yours it was, or it was theirs? Mine. It was done with no. You still walked no, out it into was, the middle of the street. I completely phoned it in. Flipped them off. You saw the street. That was required. That required me to take two steps into the middle of was the street. Was it a double bird or a single bird? Let me For me, paint my picture. No, no, it was a single bird, half. Staff. Did it also include the? No, no, no. I did, and I never. No, that's not in my physical vocabulary. But it, it, it was. It was just. Uh, you know, it was something to do, and <laughs> and. And you and you do it again. Oh, I mean, I, it, it, in a heartbeat. <laughs> See, I would, I would never even consider if two boneheads drove by. And again, it's hard to put yourself in a position where you've been sitting on the side at the side of the street for three hours, and it is. It's marshy and swampy and mosquito weeks. So when I came and joined you later, I was getting eaten alive and hot. But I don't think even under those circumstances, Look, if two dopey I'm, kids drove by and yelled at me, that I would. Walk to the middle of the street and flip them I'm off. I'm just keeping, you know, the the circle of life, the balance of nature. Everything has a season. Turn, turn, turn. I just everything has to be kind of in balance. If if teens do that, you know, if 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 they threw a snowball at me and hit me while I was waiting on the side of the road, I'd have shaken my mittened fist at them and said, or at a cloud, at a passing cloud, and said, "Why you? Why oughta?" I mean, old men have been doing that since. The beginning of time and 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 i need to carry on that tradition i don't like it <laughs> let's 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 shift the focus let's to shift the focus to the day that the you guy waiting the five hours i know it's unbelievable it's unbelievable it's unbelievable and i i noticed in my email as i was deleting the 60 emails a day that i delete to start the day that there was a uh, I, I should call it up and um and tell you exactly what the the uh, the topic line is. It it is. Let me find it here. Triple A experience feedback. So I get to take a survey, <laughs> which I'm sure will go straight to the top. Uh, this probably this is a non sequitur, but I, I I should have talked about it earlier when I mentioned that we went to the Sun game yesterday. Yes, we had time to kill before the game, and um, just trying to hang out in a common area where there's a waterfall. Yes. And fountains. Mm-hmm. And this is a phenomenon I've never noticed before. 
maybe I'm not out and about in fountain intensive places enough, but there were at least six $1 bills in the various fountains and waterfalls that the kids and I counted. Dollar bills? Dollar bills. I gave a penny to our youngest to throw into the fountain and there was paper money in the fountains. People put paper money in fountains now. Well, at least there. There they did. And I thought, what kind of a, I mean, what? That's weird. I said, do you think somebody didn't have any change and they intended to throw a diamond, so they threw in a dollar and took 90 cents out? Or do you think it's like a their good luck ritual, like one time a dollar bill accidentally fell in and then they were able to win on the slots and so they do it every time or they is go? It, or is it, hey, look at me, Mr. Moneybags, the guy on the Monopoly card, and I'm going to throw paper money into the thing. I bet you they, there are paper money denominations higher than a dollar thrown in there. They're probably just fished out by people who, who spot them. That's weird. But it wasn't you? Certainly not. <laughs> Shall we get to viewer mail? Let's get to viewer mail. There's very little of it, okay? So this will be quick. Okay. Big bad look, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Dear Rebecca and Steve, a hello from Dorian and Scott with two T's, in this case, for two tandems. Please allow us to apply for the position of tandem information agents. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I like I, it. I, I, I desperately hope they, they're, they're tandem unicyclists. Let's see. We purchased our first tandem some 30 years ago. It has many gears for shifting, two braking systems, and everything needed to do an extended ride. Gears, shifting gears. How would you how would you shift gears? Is one person in charge of shifting gears, do you suppose? I don't know. Or do you say, you know... My interest has peaked, though. Uh, let's let's find out. We were told to become proficient at riding. We would certainly test our marriage, either make it stronger or break it up. With a lot of riding, we became pretty good. We have used it with many different captains, front and stokers, back on many great trips. I repeat, Rebecca, captains, the capital C, the captain sits in front, and the stoker, with the capital S, sits in back. Captains and stokers. You're going to make some joke about smoker, aren't you? No, I'm not. Oh, okay. Captain and Stoker. Okay, tell me more. We were given our second tandem, our second tandem, by a friend. See attached photo. And indeed, here is. Look at that, Rebecca. Lovely lemon yellow with black seats. It's a beautiful bike. Uh, We were given our our, uh, second tandem by a friend. This appears to be the version Steve noted last week as wanting to cruise around town. It has one gear, coaster brakes, and upright handlebars, so the Stoker can the Captain and the Stoker, which is, by the way is every '70s album and and right. and pop duo. Uh, I'm sorry, it has one gear, coaster brakes, and upright handlebars. Each of these items vastly restrict the overall use for the bike. Coaster brakes are for for a single person bike can be fun, but on a tandem are a new experience. If the captain is not communicating with the Stoker. <laughs> If the captain is not communicating with the stoker, a braking action will make the stoker feel like that, like they are being thrown from their seat. With only one gear, hills can certainly become a challenge. This bike gets used by anyone who sees it run up and down the road. Can you imagine climbing a hill on a single gear no. tandem bike? No, and if you've ticked off the stoker, they're like <laughs> trying to uh, brake while you're pedaling. In, in, in our marriage... 
who is the captain and who is the stoker and a tandem biker just metaphorically metaphorically i think i think i, mean, I think is that really a <laughs> question <laughs> <laughs> I, I think if you asked each one of our children that same question, we would get the answer. I will be, I will be asking our okay. children, who's, who's the, the captain? captain? Who's the stoker? <laughs> yes. Ah, uh, okay. Um, this bike, okay. Tandems can also be described as space eaters in any garage, Rebecca. Our first tandem is suspended from the ceiling in our garage in Ohio. The second is conveniently located in our neighbor's garage at our lake house in New York. Not a space eater for me, but eating space just the same. Tandem riding is a lot of... Conveniently located for who? Well, that's what he's saying. Tandem riding is a lot of fun for anyone who climbs aboard. Size of the bike and riders certainly affect the, the entire experience. So remember the, the two heavyset guys on motorcycles in the Guinness Book of World Records? Yeah. Imagine them on a, uh, on a tandem bike, and then who would be captain and who would be stoker? Yeah, uh, I think they'd both be stokers. <laughs> well, I mean, is it like a... Like a um, rowing like crew do you have a like, a like a smaller person in the front in the back what i don't know well fortunately we have our resident what are they again tandem resident. information agent yeah. applicant yes uh i think they've got the job they, they seem to have demonstrated great knowledge tandem riding is a lot of fun for anyone who climbs aboard size of the bike and riders certainly affect the entire experience we can discuss the advantages of recumbent tandems at a future time well i, I certainly well, I, I certainly insist that we so. do we love your podcast and listen to it as we travel to and from our home to Lake House in the summer. We are completionists and look forward to each new episode's best regards, Dorian and Scott, your tandem information agent applicant. Thank you, Dorian and Scott. Uh, I hope you're traveling to and from your lake house on the single gear, <laughs> banana yellow tandem bicycle. Finally, can, can, can I say finally when it's only the second uh, Vera mail? Well, sure. yeah, I mean, the first one had so yeah, much was, information and knowledge dropped. I loved it. It was, it, it was chock full of nuts. But we passed a billboard yesterday on our uh, our oldest daughter and I driving to a tour of college. Big billboard for a big sign, chock full of nuts. Really? I didn't and, know they uh, advertised still. Was it for, I, the, co I, I, was it for the coffee? Yeah, I thought it was 1940. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think it was in... Uh, Killingly, Connecticut. Not Killingsworth. No, we we passed through Willington and Killingly, and and again. I don't think you've told this story before. Well, I, I perhaps I I have, but uh, I wrote a poem on one of our drives through Willington and Killingly once, and the poem was, "I'll not again go willingly to Willington or Killingly." It's one of your better works. I think so. Anyway, DGS, Doctor Gary Siegel, a double O. BGYN writes, "Hello, Rebecca and Steve. Uh, in intriguingly, his his uh, header is baseball, Bumpus, Bobo, and President Macron. Ready? I'm ready. Hello, Rebecca and Steve. I was able to enjoy last week's podcast during exercise prior to the weekend, and while it was entertaining, many topics were covered, making it hard for me to collect my thoughts for this report without listening to it again, albeit at one and a half speed while watching the Atlanta Braves game on TV. Several items did stand out, best addressed as always in list form." One, yes, Rebecca, it's certainly fine to call a hamburger a Hamburg. After all, you're honoring your mother by doing so, and I'm sure that you think of her often when you ask Steve to bring home a few Hamburgs for dinner. Rebecca, had you thought of that as uh, Hamburgs as honoring your mother? And, and, and would your mother consider that an honor? I, I haven't necessarily thought of using that word as honoring her. However, when you criticize the use of that word, I do see that as dishonoring her. Okay. <laughs> 
Perfect. Two, with the second child now turning 15, that means two of them are driving. It does not mean that. It means uh, a year from now, two of them will be driving. Yes, in Connecticut, here. you cannot get your permit uh, and start driving with your adult until you are 16. And with amazing uh, Nostradamus, well, I guess, anticipation, uh, with amazing timing, Dr. Siegel writes, how many are in braces and what's the highest number that you've had in braces at one time? Well, we've just gotten another one in braces last week. Yeah, so the older two are out of braces. I'm assuming he means the ones for teeth. Yes. The the youngest, surprisingly, is the one... Did you think perhaps he meant suspe- how many of our kids are in suspenders? <laughs> I don't know. But it's, it's like teeth are an interesting thing. Our youngest was ready for braces before her brother, who's two years older, because his... He's still waiting for like yeah. well, at but least we, one we, tooth to emerge. We, so right now we, we will have, have one in braces. But we will have two. Very soon we will have two. But the most we will have ever had in braces at any given time is two. Correct. The all four of them will have will have had them. Correct. Now all four of them do wear suspenders, Larry King style. It's kind of how we look at college is we will for a long time have two in college at the same time, assuming they graduate in four years. We'll have two in college at the same time. But hopefully not three. And and how often will we have concurrent college tuitions and orthodontic orthodontia bills? That that doesn't even for a thinking few years, about. Actually, yeah, oh uh, yeah. Mrs. DGS got adult braces in addition to her teenage ones when the children were teens. But fortunately, we only had two embraces at one time. Three, Steve. By now, you're doubtlessly aware that Esteban Ocon, a French racing driver, won the gripping Hungarian Grand Prix. Pasted below is a congratulatory tweet that he received from a dignitary, and the viewers will no doubt enjoy your identification aloud of said dignitary using your ridiculous French accent. Shall we do it, Rebecca? Let's hear it. It is from, he was congratulated by Emmanuel Macron. <laughs> Quelle première victoire in Formule, in Formule 1. That would be Formule 1. Pour le Français, at Ocon Esteban au Grand Prix de Hongrie. De Hongrie. What exactly are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm doing my Emmanuel Macron. I'm reading his tweet. Oh, it's in French. Of course it's in French. Mm. Do you think that he... he I uh, thought maybe you had the translated version. I did not. You would prefer... you Well... I'll take you, you in 288 characters of bad French. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, four. When cycling on my solo bicycle last sa- Sunday afternoon on a cloudy 80-degree August day, that's relatively cool for Atlanta, as opposed to listening to a boring podcast from a Sunday morning news show, and since I had already listened to the BNC pod, I enjoyed listening to the Braves radio broadcast. Surely, I'm among the many viewers who grew up listening to baseball on radio, which continues to be wholesome and a bit corny, yet entertaining. As noted by the clever broadcasters last week, Tyler Gilbert of the Diamondbacks pitched a no-hitter in, the fir- in his first big league start, a feat matched by Bumpus Jones in 1892 and Bobo Holloman in 1953. The citation from the Sunday Washington Post is below. Joe Simpson, a former Major League player and a longtime Braves broadcaster, speculated that if anyone was alive named and named Bumpus, that he probably would be no younger than 88 years old. And indeed, the headline in the Post was, Bobo and Bumpus, you've got company. <laughs> uh, it was incredible. The, uh, the Diamondbacks pitcher, he, he has pitched in relief in, in the big leagues, but his first start, he threw a no-hitter. It's, it's bananas. And then when I, when I had read that, the, only, the last two, the only two, uh, were uh, a Bumpus Jones and Bobo Holloman. I thought they they don't make them like that anymore. Name names that is. You also you enjoy listening to the local broadcast. I, I for, love listening uh, for to baseball. Uh, I love listening to baseball, even baseball on TV. I I I've, I've followed the Mets a lot this year, who have just who are in a in a free fall. 
the Braves are, are and, and the Phillies um, in the National League East are ascendant, but the Braves in particular. But um, but like last night, uh, Gary Cohn and Ron Darling were doing the game from from New York, but the game was in San Francisco, and they were talking about a, a Giants hitter who claims to be the best ping pong player in Major League Baseball, and Ron Darling was expressing his skepticism about that. And then they started talking about, uh, you know, how popular ping pong is in baseball clubhouses and in and, and all other sports in various locker rooms. I don't know if you ever had a ping pong table at MSG. John yeah. Wertham, I think, recently did a story for SI on um, athletes and, and ping pong. And since we recently busted out of busted out of the garage, our fold-up ping pong table that's been sitting in the driveway, blistering in the summer sun and getting rained on, but we've we've played it a lot. Uh, ping pong was uh, of much more interest to me than than the actual Mets Giants game. But I, I love it when announcers talk about stuff like that. Didn't you talk? You had something last night in your game about. Uh, Every time there was a... Well, every time there's a jump ball, which usually there's a two, maybe, jump balls in a WNBA game. Like, not the one to start the game, but just, like, jump balls, random jump balls. You know, in, in arena, they play music, and usually it's, you know, crisscross, will make you jump, jump. They blare the music until they... Van Halen's jump, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. And they blare Jump the... for your love, the Pointer Sisters? Tell me when you're done. I'm done. Okay. And they blare the music and there's a jump ball. The game I was doing last night, which was on there, it was like Nesson Plus and Amazon Prime, local telecast. Um, I, I only can do two local telecasts this year. It was yesterday and then tomorrow. But um, there was a ton of jump balls in our game, like an, an, an inordinate amount of jump balls. And so when we got to the fourth quarter, when I jump ball and they're playing a song I'd never heard of, I said to, to the play-by-play person who was my first time working with him, I said, you know, how how deep is the playlist for jump balls like at what how many jump balls would you have to have in a game in order to hear the same song played a second time and um he didn't give me an answer but as like i said we were working together for the first time i think this like young guy is looking at me like what in the heck is she talking about and why do i have to work with her <laughs> anyway jumping jack flash you're looking them up now. No, I'm not looking them up now. I've got it. I'm going to get to the. I, I have to get to the game tomorrow extraordinarily early. I'm going to get there a few hours early. Well, now I am looking them up. Jump, jive, and whale. The Brian Sensor Orchestra, right? And I'm going to ask. Not, not, the person, not Dr. Siegel. Not the Brian Snitker Orchestra. He's the manager of the Braves. But go ahead, Rebecca. I'm going to. I, maybe I'll go over and ask the person who's in charge of this at the scores table how many songs deep is the jump ball playlist and, and if he needs more suggestions jump on it sugar hill gang right i bet that's already one of them well any anyway i i wasn't listening i'm glad you called attention to that. that's exactly the kind of thing i like like to listen to on uh on game broadcasts. five lastly writes dr siegel i caught a bit of the olympics one morning when watching tv while on the indoor cycle after finishing the recorded late night news shows from the night before i i love watching news the following day which which renders it no longer news. Mm. Um, I caught part of the women's beach volleyball competition. Those These world-class athletes were all tall, muscular, agile, and ahem, dressed such that I faced the dilemma. Avert my eyes or watch. All the best. And Gary with two R's. They don't wear much in beach volleyball. No, it's, it's, it's kind of strange, although it was 1,000 degrees in, in Tokyo. Right. They kept saying, uh, you know, it's 107 degrees on the sand. I, I, I remember, I, I don't think I mentioned this to you. 
they would say that they would say you know the sand is 114 degrees right or 107 degrees and and they had an announcer on the scene say ask one of the americans how do you how do you prepare for you know, when it's 107 degrees on the sand and, and one of the, one of the, the volleyball players said well actually you know you couldn't you'd, you'd you'd burn and blister your feet so they actually water the, they water the these that's volleyball this, court so that right. you can stand on it, you know, on and the other, the rest of the sand. And everything yeah, else, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, which I thought was, you know, only the fair thing to do was to, to not make them compete barefoot on on a hundred and seven <laughs> degree surface. But TV did love to say how how hot the sand was elsewhere that that wasn't being competed competed of on. Anyway, that's we all do for that today. in TV. You give, you give the court temperature. <laughs> well, no, but we just. You try we to just, hype it. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, it's, of course. it's all part of it. In fact, I noticed that uh, the WNBA, or ESPN tweeted out, was it ESPN or the WNBA? I, I don't want to get it wrong. Somebody tweeted out on the day of your Chicago-Seattle game uh, pictures of the various Olympians and said, uh, you know, these athletes never take a day off. Oh, that was ESPN. Was ESPN, yeah. Yes, because um, Holly, Ryan, and I were laughing about it. We said, today, probably... I sent a screenshot to you. Oh, yes. it was you. Yeah, yeah, I sent a screenshot to you. Probably not the best day for it because, of course, in that Chicago-Seattle game, Brianna Stewart, Sue Bird were yes. taking the day off. They should have said, you know, with a little asterisk, with the exception of today. <laughs> yes. You know, that was, um, that was ESPN. <laughs> On that note. On that note, Denny, wherever you are... Thank you. And uh, Tom, Dick, Harry, play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane Six of us and the family pet Live in this cuckoo nest Daily grind puts your sanity To a daily test Androgynous and ambiguous What we give for a little rest It's day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.